Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Once again, we're recording on a Sunday, and it just so happens to be moments after Hockey Canada got their stuff together. They won gold at the World Championship, so we got to hear about it for probably three more weeks. <laughs> and ruined all the fun we had in the pre- prelims. Well, and it it helps Canada, it helps Toronto heal from the wounds of the Leafs falling out in the first round, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know what's not going to help Toronto heal any wounds? Uh, The fact that they don't have a first round draft pick, which, oh, speaking of draft picks, subject of our question from last week, will the 2021 entry draft class be better, worse, or we'll, we'll say push than the infamous 2012 draft class. I'm going to say better. Ooh, optimism. I like it. I, 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 I <laughs> that's what happens when you get me a couple days after therapy sometimes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say better in the sense that the high, uh, the lows won't be as low, right? Mm-hmm. And the highs won't be as high, but there's just going to be consistency. It's sort of, and this is going to be a bad analogy, but hang on with me. It's kind of like Vegas and their expansion draft, right? Everyone was flummoxed as to why they were so good. Well, it's because they were given the second or third-line guy, or a guy that was pushing for a second- or third-line spot off of every team. So you didn't have, and I'll use Toronto as an example, you didn't have four unbelievably high-skilled guys taking up, you know, like half of your cap, if not more, and then a bunch of fillers. You had four lines of second lines, second- and third-line guys. So the drop-off from your high to your low wasn't nearly as bad, right? Like, the, the, the drop-off from um, John, uh, John Tavares to a completely beaten and battered Wayne Simmons is pretty significant. But a drop from Jonathan Marcheseau to, you know... Um, Riley Smith or someone like that isn't nearly as far. So you're just consistent. It's just it's just consistent. And I think that's what's going to happen with this draft. There's going to be a lot of good players, no great players, and 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 the number of bombs, Mikhail <laughs> Yakupov, um, isn't isn't going to be there, right? Because one, nobody has the expectations this year, right? I mean, Nail Yakupov. That's all he's is expected. To, that's all we heard because mm-hmm. he was the projected number one overall draft pick, and yada yada yada. Have you heard anything about who's supposed to go number one now? Owen Power. Have you heard as much about him as did Yakupov? Because nobody knows. So. I think it will be better simply because it won't be as bad 
as everyone might think. Okay. I think that it's going to end up being a push. I think that, um, you know, perception-wise, it might look a little bit better because there's an expansion team this time around picking, and, you know, expansion team draft picks are going to probably get a little more, like, visibility than not than normal years. But um, I think it's probably going to end up being about the same. Really, all I got. <laughs> so, playing off of Patrick's expansion draft comparison, one of the other key things was the age of all the players Vegas took. Yep, they're all guys in their early to mid twenties. Yeah, and it's amazing what happens when you get a bunch of guys who were slotted in certain roles that are still young. They haven't lost it, whatever it is for each individual player. I feel like the same thing might happen with this draft class for three reasons. One, the cap not going up in subsequent years is going to force more entry-level contracts onto rosters. Two, not as many of these guys are going to be rushed to the NHL because Half of them haven't been playing significant minutes anywhere. So, you know, if any first-round pick plays in the league next year, I'd be shocked. Like, whomever Buffalo takes number one shouldn't see the league for three years, two years, depending if they're NCAA or a CHL player, because that seems to be the consensus. It's going to be somebody from the University of Michigan or someone from the CHL and as the top pick. And then three, coaches are just going to fall into the dumb luck of realizing, oh, these guys are much better than we thought. And they're going to use some 19-year-olds or you know 18-year-olds who played in the AHL this season while their subsequent Canadian leagues were shut down. And, oh, they can hold their own. Oh, they, they can learn how to play defensive hockey. They just have to play and get some, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, actual coaching to just kind of correct a few things, make a few adjustments. They know how to do a bunch of stuff, and they can figure it out. It's not not that complicated, but thankfully there will be too much going on for you know the hockey men to overthink things this time around. Oh no, that won't stop them. <laughs> I, know, just... I know. I know. <laughs> I could straight face, or are <laughs> you high? <laughs> Whatever um, drugs you're on, share. <laughs> oh no. Um, no, but you made a good point, Pat, that I, I didn't really think about was the fact that COVID year, right? And so um I think that that's going to make things more dicey because teams that are in, uh, you know, cap hell might end up with a whole bunch of like younger guys that haven't played last in the last year, like in the roster because they can't afford to like get NHLers who are going to come in on an entry level contract. So, uh, so I think that. That's going to be a thing. Yeah, and these same kids that are getting drafted now 
I think there's going to be more AHL roster spots for them in the future because we're going to see, you know, the AHL veteran guard kind of wash out. You know, the 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 four A player who's that tweener, well, thirty two extra or twenty three extra roster spots with Seattle probably give a few of them more opportunities. More guys are going to retire just because of the financial circumstances for each of these leagues. So you're going to see more and more younger kids who probably have, you know, two to three years where they can live and play, you know, on the cheap. They can hang around, skate and play a while, and they'll probably catch the eye of coaches a little more than, you know, having the first rounders all down in the AHL for, you know, years and years and years, and then they turn into the new 4A players. I think we might hopefully see a large crux of that go away. There's always going to be a couple of guys, but hopefully holding on to their guys long. You're saying that the AHL is going to actually turn into a full-time development league rather than a part-time development league with some like veterans who don't have a place in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, the writing's already on the wall based on the number of NHL franchises that own their affiliate. It's, it's almost two thirds at this point with Seattle coming in. And I don't remember if the Palm Springs team, I think it starts in two seasons. Yes. Season after this. Um, and I think there's going to be, there's enough ECHL franchises that continue to pop up. I think we're going to see, you know, a redistribution of the, of the quote unquote minor league system. And the sooner we can stop calling it minor league hockey and just call it professional, it's just not the, you know, top tier league, the better it is all around from a business standpoint and from a player standpoint. Okay. I'm not going to disagree with you on any of it. Um, to your point, you brought up the interesting thing of, of uh, Vegas not drafting anybody near the Logan's run line. Um, can, we, can, think, we, can we rename that the Maple Leafs line? No, because the Maple Leafs went out and got Thornton and Spezza and Oh, they went too far. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, the, the the most interesting stat that I saw after the whole, not the most interesting, one of, one of the best schadenfreude type stats that I saw out there wasn't really a stat, more of a little informational blurb, um, was the last time the Maple Leafs won in the first round, they beat Jason Spezzo, who was on the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> and I loved I loved the line. I forget who it was. Somebody posted, you know, who would have thought that brought it, that bringing in the the aging senator and aging shark wouldn't have helped <laughs> the Leafs get over <laughs> the hump. Oh, my God. Well, in fairness to the aging senator, that team was a two-man show with him and, you know, the guy they nicknamed Styles. So To be fair to the aging senator, he's looked fantastic. Yeah, he, he looks like 
as long as he plays on a team that controls pace a little, he can keep up. He's, you know, he's still got good enough skates. He's what Patrick Marlowe was his first year in Toronto, but he can still do it for a little while. Probably. (laughs) Sometimes you never know from one season to the next. Sometimes it's like a guy's doing great and then same team, same player, not a lot of turnover on the roster and, and they just don't. And expectations are a funny thing because, um, Josh Anderson got a lot of headlines during the regular season and you know he went a little quiet so far in the playoffs um jason spezza outscored him in the regular season and in the first round yeah you know yeah isn't that wild so what we're thinking is seattle might take a flyer on spezza oh lord no (laughs) <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, where the hell is I going with that? Oh, no, what I was going to say is, um, you know, I, I, I keep seeing people post, you know, oh, Brett Burns is, you know, going to be great for the for the crack. And I'm like, how high do you have to be? How high do you have to be as someone in the Kraken management to look at Brent Burns and go, yep, we'll take him. I love him. I do. He is a character. He could be someone that you slap on billboards. He, you know, that that first face looks like a Sasquatch, you know, just all of that kind of outdoorsy. But how high do you have to be to have him as a player with that contract on your team? I mean, a first round draft pick for every year of his contract probably still isn't enough. Right. To convince me at all. So, my question to you, my friends here, and this is not a show-ending question, but... Um, kind of hope not. We've only been doing this, what, like 10, 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes, you know. There, yeah. You, 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 leave the, you, you leave the audience wanting more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, does Seattle take anyone over the age of 28? Yes. Okay. They will because, quote-unquote, veteran leadership. I'm going to say yes with the expectation that a, 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 a quote-unquote, blue-chip prospect and maybe some other asset has to come along with them. So that, so that was going to be my next question. Do, you know, people kept saying, oh, you know, Seattle's not going to get away with the stuff like Vegas did because, you know, people aren't going to be that stupid. They're going to protect blah, blah, blah. So it sounds to me like that might not be the case. You think there's going to be some, please take him. Please take player. We will give you assets if you please take player. Yeah, it's not going to be so much. Here's our list of players that we have to protect. Instead, what's going to happen is someone's going to come down from high and say, we need this contract off our books. Whatever they want to get to take it from us, make it happen. So See, Zach, the reason- there's at least one team to do it. I don't <laughs> think it's going to be 
I don't think we're going to see Florida and Minnesota and, you know, Pittsburgh, for example, making deals to get certain players to go. In the case of, you know, Flurry and Marchessault and, and so on and so forth, it's more going to be, I, I think there's going to be one or two targeted teams that are going to look to make a deal. And I think Seattle will take a risk with one if the prospect is right. See, the reason that Seattle or the, the stupid, the GMs will do stupid things, even though Vegas, the whole stuff with Vegas happened, is because of the flat cap. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's it. It's like you don't even. Yeah, sure. They they were they were thinking they were being clever and sneaky with the whole you know Vegas thing, and supposedly they quote unquote know better. But this time around, but the reality is that a lot of teams are right up against the cap, and they have some really dumb contracts, and you know nobody's going to pick these guys up off waivers, so they're going to have to like figure something else out. And I mean, they still some team still employs Peter Shirarelli. Oh, he doesn't even deserve to have his name pronounced right after the debacle in Edmonton. But <laughs> you know, somebody's going to do something stupid because of favoritism towards a certain player, or honestly, it's going to be I need to sign a guy next off season, so I've got to unload a contract now. So that's that's what I keep coming back to, right? It's exactly what I keep coming back to when it comes time, you know, and people say, Oh, this person's not gonna be available, that person's not gonna be available. I'm like, Yeah, guys, there I keep saying it. There's gonna be some names that are exposed that none of us are expecting because they're on bad deals and there isn't a sucker out there that's gonna take that contract. Nobody's got the money to just buy a bad contract that isn't on long-term injured reserve, right? But I, here's the thing: is I don't think I don't I don't know that they're going to be exposed. I think it it might be less of that and more of a after the expansion draft happens, you know, and Seattle has a roster. The teams will be like, okay, who do you have on your roster that we can trade for to get rid of this contract? I don't think you're going to have that option because I, I highly doubt Seattle is going to sit there and go, okay, you know, we'll get you out of your cap hell by giving away somebody that we deemed, you know, that we wanted to be part of this team for your guy who's on a bad contract. Or you want to clear him out, you know, let's, I'm just going to throw a dart at the board. Kuznetsov. Is there, you know, theoretically, what would it take to get Kuz, you know, is Washington going to circle around after Seattle does the expansion draft and say, okay, you know, give me these two guys for Kuznetsov. And those two guys are one and a half million dollar players, right? The thing is, though, is that even if someone's exposed in the expansion draft, that doesn't mean that Seattle's going to take him. No, it doesn't. Unless they... Well, unless we start seeing seeing these sweetening the pot deals like they did with Vegas. I don't think there's going to be as much fleece. uh, The fleecing won't be as fervent as Vegas had, right? Because I just think about that Florida deal. Oh, my God. Marcia So and all the picks just to take him. But I think you'll see some. what What can we do to get you to take this player off our hands? Because they want the cap. 
they want the space and mm-hmm. trading player for player you know i don't think there are many teams out there that's going to say i'll take your 7 million dollar player for two you know for two guys that make 3 million oh no i i wasn't thinking that i was thinking more of of guys left over or left open for the expansion draft seattle passes them because team didn't make try to make a side deal with seattle and then after the expansion draft, team decides, well, we still need to get rid of this guy. I wonder if we could trade this guy in a bunch of picks for another guy off Seattle's current roster. But there's still money. Right. There still has to be some money coming back into that team in that scenario. Right? And is Seattle going to say, okay, you know, this $1.5 million guy you know, goes to you and will eat your seven million. I mean, we don't know how close Seattle's gonna get to the cap. So there's mm-hmm. the other side, right? And are they gonna wanna, you know, and this is another scenario of are they going to want how soon do they want to win, I guess. Because that's that's a five year that's a five year move, depending on the player you're eating, you're taking back. Yeah. You know? And I think that's why we're likely to see names like Phil Philip J. Kessel described as someone with a big ticket contract, but with only one year remaining. We're not going to see the Brett Burns deals being made. Maybe a few exceptions. Let let's say Tampa continues their good run. They're able to avoid Colorado and repeat. It's unlikely to happen, but is there another situation where Stamkos has a discussion with management? He still has enough left in the tank where it's it's a bit more enticing to Ron Francis to say, okay, here's a player who is you know coming out of his prime, but he can still produce as a second-line player, insulate some of the 23, 24-year-olds. If he gets you know a decent center who hasn't gotten a look, a la William Carlson did in, in Vegas, you know, make a little magic happen that way. I, I, can we, can we all sort of agree at this point that Tampa is going to expose Tyler Johnson and Seattle will probably take Tyler Johnson. I think um, Seattle will, will jump at the chance to take Tyler Johnson at this point. <laughs> so many fans are all over that. I think It depends on like, Francis's relationship with his bosses. True. You it, know, but it could happen. But they, you know, I just that this, you know, even though he's not from Seattle, he's from Spokane, and the two are about as close as Brooklyn is to um, Virginia. Boston. Yeah. Or yeah. I say Buffalo. <laughs> or Buffalo, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's a whole different world on the east side of Washington, kids. Um, <laughs> don't go by yourself. Uh, don't go to, <laughs> to Spokompton by yourself. Um, but, you know, the home state kid. They they like him in Tampa, but not at five million a, a a year for the next three years. You know, let him come do a victory lap in his home state type thing. They so like him in Tampa sometimes. <laughs> like well, that's what, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, back when it was the triplets, they loved him. Now that he's you know kind of on an island, you know he's. He's not the same guy he was. You know, we all understand that. 
um, you know, there's your there's your thirty year old, you know, veteran guy. He's got a he's got a couple cup runs in him, one ring, maybe two, the way they look right now. Um they want out of that contract so bad they can't see straight. That that frees up the five million. You know, they desperately need to do some of the other things that we were talking about, right? Yeah, but with that, does it bring you Oh, I'm just looking. Does it bring you a Cal foot in return too? Probably not. If you're Tampa, you're you're not going to make that deal. Does it bring you a Russ Colton? Um, Is Tyler Johnson worth being the one thirty year old you take? Can Tampa offer something to make that happen? Yeah, and that's you know I get back to the sweetening the pot type thing. You know, it may not cost nearly as much as it did with Vegas, but it's still going to happen mm-hmm. because there are contracts that are onerous to teams simply because there were big deals that were signed with the intention that the cap was going to go up, you know, anywhere from two to 3% every year. So that by year four of that deal, you know, the percentage against the cap drops where they've got more move or they got more room since we're looking flat for the next three plus years, you know, there are, and, and, and there is only one team out there that literally has zero cap hit right now. That will do a one-way deal, which involves taking cash without, you know, which involves being able to get rid of cash without having to take cash back. And that's Seattle. So I think, you know, I, I think there's some potential for here's Tyler Johnson. Uh, we'll give you a second if you take Tyler Johnson. No, we'll give you a second and. Uh, Sean Day. (laughs) Exactly. We'll give you a second and a third next season. Or a second and Sean Day. Because we're not going to have any room on the left side of our defense for the next decade. And this kid, you know, he's pretty good. Type thing. But please take Tyler Johnson. Please. Please. (laughs) And Seattle's going to sit there like the godfather and go, I don't know. You know, if you come to me in friendship, that kind of crap. You come here on the day of my expansion draft and you ask me this favor. Um, I think there's going to be side deals out there. Just the, you, you said it, Cassie, the flat cap is going to bork people. Especially those teams that are already cap constrained because Deals to get rid of or roll, roll over parts of their roster aren't going to happen because people are going to want money off their books just the same as you are. So, God, $98.8 million cap hit for the Lightning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good Lord in heaven above. And they got no one coming off this year. No one. Yoinks. Yeah. Yeah, Tyler Johnson goes to Seattle, which a lot of like people in Seattle are really hoping for. NHL fans in Seattle are hoping for. I don't think junior hockey fans are. Um, but uh, um, that's probably the jersey I'll end up getting. 
I like Tyler. I do too. Even though he's from Spokompton. Um He has no control over that. I know. I had a friend of mine who was wealthy, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um who was one of the nicest guys you could ever meet because he recognized that he didn't do anything to earn it. He Ooh. always says, I won the sperm lottery, you know? <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> I just had to do that. Cause Toronto again, you know, it's hilarious with Toronto is all the people who are like going off about the how analytics never helped Toronto, blah, blah, blah. And um, and I just find that hilarious because everybody's pointing to the analytics team and not to the people who should be interpreting those numbers and doing something with them. Yeah. You know, general managers and coaches and things. <laughs> They're pointing to, oh, yeah, you have this analytics team that sucks. It's like, maybe they suck and maybe they don't. But, you know, you should be pointing your fingers at the general manager and the coaches because they're not the ones taking the numbers seriously or understanding them or interpreting them right or however that goes. Because, like, you know, in corporate world, if the manager doesn't understand the numbers, then, you know, everybody suffers. (laughs) And it just reminds me of being in Vancouver for the 2019 draft and seeing Pierre Maguire kind of all by himself. He wasn't there with any colleagues in the hotel. And, you know, I can only imagine his phone's just not ringing right now for potential openings. Well, don't you know, Pat, it's because I had it on vibrate. Like a good boy (laughs) from Shattuck St. Mary runs around with his phone on vibrate. Yeah, well... He keeps harping on this, hoping to get a job out of some team. I mean, he is not a dumb person, to put it frankly. He he has a level of intelligence. And I don't know if he's just playing to the crowd. He also believes what he's saying. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like, what's the point? Like, what you're saying, it's not really moving the needle. It it can't really drive up listenership for these, you know, TSN and Sportsnet stations that, you know, are lucky to remain at this point to have this guy on because he's certainly not doing U.S. radio. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would have to listen to U.S. sports radio again to, to know that for sure, but... I, I think that's a pretty fair assumption. <laughs> I haven't seen the links. Look, if Buffalo is not going to give him a call just to get somebody in there to, you know, just be a scout. He's one of those people who, like, is so supremely convinced of his own intelligence. And he is an intelligent person, don't get me wrong, but so supremely like confident in his intelligence that he doesn't understand that he's presenting himself in entirely the wrong way to get hired by anybody else. So he's Paul Fenton, but in the public. Sure. Yeah. Just, just as clueless. It's like, he's just thinking that, that if he sounds intelligent and he knows what he's talking about, clearly that will get him a job, like with a team. But 
The reality is he sounds like an ass and he sounds pompous and he sounds like a horrible person to work with. (laughs) Which is funny because I've kind of heard that hinted at a few times. That that's his problem? That he's not the easiest guy to get along with when it comes to Mm -hmm. working. I mean, the reason that, like, the biggest reason that the nepotism is so rampant in the NHL is because people want other people they know because they're easy to work with. Because they already know them. Right? I mean, they might think this person is actually, like, got the hockey chops to do what they need to do. Maybe, but mostly it's just, I know this person, I like this person, I know that they are knowledgeable in hockey, that's good enough for me. You know? And he doesn't have that. He doesn't have the people like me and they want to do things for me aspect. And that's why he's still stuck in broadcasting. For two months. Hopefully. Let us mm-hmm. let us all take a moment to pray to whatever deity and or celestial being um, you so choose to do <laughs> that the ESPN will not renew him or not bring him down. No. <clears throat> that would make a lot of people sad if they did. And oh Turner seems to have picked all the all the other you know people around him. I know, right? I mean, it's kind of kind of <laughs> kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is kind of funny, really. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I'm sure that he doesn't recognize the fact that that's a thing, that instead he's thinking, oh, I'm next. I've got to be next. Everybody else, I've got to be next. <laughs> work, work ethic alone will not get you a job in 2021. It just won't. Mm-mm. Nope. <clears throat> Certainly will not. Mainly because Buffalo isn't paying for anybody, so... God, no kidding. I still go back to that press conference they had where he's like, I'm not worried about money. If I need money, I'll just go drill another oil well or something. Okay, well, you seem to be worried about money now. Is there a reason? Um, so, if I may. Oh, please. Let's, using Buffalo as an example, they clearly don't have enough people. They, they just don't in their front office department because they've been clearly missing and missing and missing on draft picks and not knowing what to do with the first rounders that show some promise. Does Toronto have too many people working for them? I thought that for years. <laughs> it's like they keep hiring people and you're just like, did you already have like five people doing that job? <laughs> they tried to hire all of, like, Toronto? I don't... I They just always has seemed like they just have their net thrown open and have the huge amount of people working for them. 
God, is that so the case? And then um, it makes you wonder when you hear, you know, you heard the postmortem on Vancouver, and they're looking to bring in other guys to help Benning or be, you know, like the, I don't know, advisor to the owner who, you know, who sits in the corner and just kind of listens to what the GM is doing. And it's just like, was Tom Dundon right? And just, you know, if a guy wants to walk, you let him walk and you can, you can find somebody to fill the position, but there's only so many roles that you can fill in Toronto through the virtue of having, you know, too large a percentage of hockey men and, you know, non-hockey men, they just have too many people trying to think through the solution. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Too many sous chefs and not enough chefs? Or do you think that they are... Um, to maybe... Paralysis by over-analysis. Yeah, I'm thinking more of the latter. I think I think they've got their menu right, but then they have too many appetizers. Because they're still drafting talented players who... But they're just not getting in the lineup yet. See, I, I, I equate this to... Seattle politics... All right, where it's like, let's go with the Alaskan Way Viaduct, which they knew needed to come down in the early 1990s because there was an earthquake in the San Francisco Bay Area that caused elevated highways to pancake. And the Alaskan Way Viaduct is was an elevated double-decker highway. And they knew about it. As they recognized it immediately after this earthquake happened in, in California that they needed to replace the viaduct because Seattle is an earthquake-prone area. So when did the replacement actually happen? Patrick, would you like to share with the class? <laughs> they just When did finished. it open? <laughs> it, they just finished and opened the tunnel, I want to say like about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It may have been two years. It took them 30 freaking years to replace something that they knew they needed to replace almost immediately after this earthquake in the 1990s. Why? Because everybody had to have a say. Everybody had to have their opinion like heard. Everybody had to think about what everybody else was saying. And so it was consensus politics taken to an absurd degree and it took 30 years to replace something that should have been replaced in probably five. Well, and we'll also, we also have to give them a little bit of credit. No, we really don't. Um, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> are, are we talking about Seattle or are we talking about Colin Campbell? That's. I'm still on Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and to continue with the analogy, Cassie, part of the reason that it took so long is because the <laughs> Big Bertha, as they called her, the tunneling machine kept breaking down. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, you know, yeah. so, you know, an inch an hour, two feet a day type thing. Well, they were lucky if they'd make an inch a day in some cases. So, yeah. Um, so it was just... 
that whole project was, you know, I, I think its equivalence is the big dig in, in Boston that just seemed to be never ending and was fraught with problems. Right, but, then, the, but, but the viaduct replacement thing, the reason, I mean, obviously, after they started implement, after they figured out a plan and started implementing it, which took them 20 years, um, <laughs> then, then that was, you know, on the job, like, problems that that's something else i was talking just about like too many cooks in the kitchen oh yeah, yeah. all the politicking going on in seattle yeah, yeah. for 20 years to get to that point i think that's what the toronto meat beliefs are at is that they have too many people and they're trying to come to a consensus and there isn't just one person being a dictator saying we're doing it this way well but i was just sort of saying even even when they did you know get all of the cats herded into the mm-hmm. into the direction they wanted to go, the execution left something to be desired. True. So you know, okay, let's go to everyone's agreement. Well, yeah, okay, whatever. Okay, let's go, and then you run straight into a wall because nobody thought about the wall being there because mm-hmm. you were too busy talking about what was on the other side of the wall. So anywho, um. Um, Sam Bennett or Mason Marchment? That's. I mean, see, this is the game putting us on the spot. This is this is the kind of game I'm playing. Um, I ban it by the virtue of being younger. By two years, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd go with that. And, uh, we, yeah, you can deal with this arbitration. Okay. Um, so... Oh, um, Bobrovsky. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think we really had a discussion about that whole... Um, um goaltending wasn't the issue in Florida. How, how's that for a hot take? Oh... It wasn't not not the issue. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't. Um, it, I, I believe the issue starts with the letter Q, and hmm. Hmm. it's that whole not coaching thing again that, that we keep coming back to. Yeah, that I keep coming back to. It's, <laughs> he he. They know what they're doing with certain respects. They have their specialty. I think Patrick can relate to this in the development world. Any of us can literally learn what each other is doing if we weren't so stubborn and, and steadfast and believing our kung fu is the best kung fu. And I am generalizing here. Goalies always fail when they move to different teams because they have to do something different. They have to make a bigger adjustment than any other positional player because... Well, for a period of their time, they weren't really coached. They just get hit with pucks during practice, and they have to make it up as they go along. But Drieger didn't play much better than Bobrovsky in the offseason, and Spencer Knight had a game that looked good. Maybe they just lost because, oh, I don't know, one of their better defenders at shutting down talent and Aaron Eppblad was out of the lineup, and you're overplaying on Anton Strollman. I don't know. You're overplaying Keith Handel when he got back in the lineup. 
I could see it, but you know, don't you kind of want your goaltender to help bail you out just a wee tiny bit there? I mean, wee well, tiny bit. Being able to steal a game is a lost art in the NHL because it's been coached out. It really has. Or Look at coached out. <laughs> no, it's been it's been coached out. It's been all goaltending is too technical. So they uncoached it by overcoaching something else. Because mm. um, one of your Vesna finalists just put up, four, you know, let in four yesterday. Yeah, but there's a team in the North Division that kind of rode their goalie to a playoff spot and then a first round sweep and has kept them in some games they didn't deserve to be in. In the I'm, right, sorry, but, I'm sorry. But, I'm sorry. I've, I've fallen asleep during every game of this series so far. It's the. <sighs> I'm not going to disagree <laughs> that they have lacked some spice. <laughs> and one of them, I think, legitimately can make the Stanley Cup final doing what they're doing. I don't think they can win it. But they could catch. A Colorado or Vegas sleeping. I don't. Oh know come on! We all know it's we all know it's going to be Colorado and, and Tampa in the final. At this point, we all know it's no going to because we we didn't get McDavid in the second round. What we want is irrelevant. <laughs> what would be kid. fun is irrelevant because Tampa and Colorado might you know. They can they can take care of uh, their second round series in five to you know move Tampa one game closer and I'm all for it. <sighs> huh. Mm. All right, let me rephrase. <laughs> if, if 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 Vegas were to defeat. The Avalanche. I could see Vegas losing to either Montreal or Winnipeg by being goalied. Well, they could only lose to Montreal by being goalied. (laughs) You would think. Yeah. On paper. Which, this talk just... The whole fact that we know we basically have a a bracket now, and that's kind of sad. It's just infuriating. It's like, I think it can lead to the best Stanley Cup final matchups. Because we're seeing some great matchups right now in this round. And the final won't be devoid of any, you know, back and forth. The the semifinals could be a, a snooze fest. Mainly the West versus North. I, I think Central versus East could be interesting, no matter what the combination is. Because uh, the Islanders look like a real boy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean, I can see that... the Islanders being a dark horse and you know, upsetting Tampa. Now that Barzell, or Carolina upsetting Tampa. <laughs> now that Barzell seems to have woken up a little bit. 
Now, there's someone who would probably love to go to Seattle. <laughs> uh, he might. Huh? Now, I've... Depends on who would be around him and who the coach is specifically in Seattle. I've heard from people who have experienced this that if you wear a Seattle Thunderbirds jersey to an Islanders game, he will try to talk to you after the game just to, like, you know, thank you for being there. Yes, I've heard that a number of times, too. Yeah. Good kid. You know, he really, he really did love his time here. Mm-hmm. Um, so good on him. I uh, I would be completely reticent of. No, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't think he'd want to leave the island. I got a feeling. I don't. I. I just have that. I don't think he'd want to leave the island. Well, maybe not right now. And I mean, clearly he's not going to get waived. But or. Ex- left open in the expansion draft, but um, but like I could see him coming back towards the end of his career. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah. Uh, you're 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 not talking about you know the immediacy. You're talking more like no. I mean, I don't I don't think it would upset him to go to Seattle immediate. You know, in terms of like the first year of the expansion team thing. But I don't see that happening because I don't see the Islanders letting him go. Yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, no, like I don't think it would upset him if that ended up happening miraculously somehow. I, you know, I don't know if he's seeing anyone or, you know, if he found someone while he was here or any like that kind of stuff. But I could totally see him, you know, like Turner Stevenson did, right? Mm-hmm. Went out and played in Montreal and Jersey, won his cups, and then promptly decided to move back to Seattle. Because I think her family was all from around here, and, you know, he just loved it. So, okay. Um, my hypothetical expansion draft is done. You only needed help figuring out Florida? Hmm. No. I did. Um, here's here's the thing. I may I may have hamstrung myself. Nine, I've got nine, ten, eleven RFAs this year. Mm. RFA with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. Eight having arbitration rights. Hmm. Now Michael Dalcole, I can get on the cheap. Trevor Moore, I think I can get on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Julian Gauthier, I think I can get on the cheap. Very much, yeah. Nick Merkley and Kevin Stenland, I think I can get on the cheap. Jason Dickinson might cost me a little more. And Sam Bennett, I don't think is going to cost me any more than he currently does. Oh. Huh. Now, that's providing that those guys are, are exposed or they aren't re-upped in some cases I don't think Trevor Moore would be made available by the Kings um, I don't know about Michael Del Cole in New York because he does not seem to be in favor with them you know <clears throat> yeah no not getting a lot of games mm. 
even though he's, you know, he's he's playing fairly well in the A, right? He's like a half a point. You know, he's like a point every other game. So, anywho, that's where I'm at. Okay, I'm done. I think the only big contract I took... Uh, no, not... No. Um, in my world, in my world, I took Kuznetsov, Nylander, and Goodrow. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> and Tyler Johnson. So, all of those contracts... Um, I'm sitting at 57 million because of all the RFAs. Mm. So that's kind of what I was playing towards, right? I got 24, almost 25 million in available projected cap space. And I've got so much wiggle room right now, it's not even funny. So I, I was kind of going with a hypothetical. I could see them doing something kind of like this. And you still hit the 20 contract limit. Like, guys have to be under contract already. Yes. Fantastic. That's because impressive. I, I took, I, um, obviously, I didn't take anyone that was a UFA. Right. That makes no sense. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and, and some guys I took only have a year left before they reach RFA or UFA status. You know, like Brett Kulak, Naden Flurry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not that not that it exposed him, but Connor Delia, you know, somebody like that, I'd take. Um, you know, if he's made available, you know, Goudreau's only got a year left, so yeah, you know, a little finagling. I think the longest one I took, not that I expect him to be available, was Matheson from Pittsburgh. See, but, that seems like a deal. I. I could see Francis taking him in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't I, think anyone knows what to do with him. And given nope. that he, he will only be on the books for, what, three seasons? No. Two seasons? No, he's on the, he'd be on the books for the next four. Four. So, what is that, 2026? 20, yep. He goes UFA 2026-27, which is fine. You know. You can make that work. And, and it's not a god-awful contract. On this team, no, you know, when and if they were to hire a coach between now and let's say, let's just say July one, and there are enough conversations where they run a couple simulations and you talk to a coach and it's like, this is what we need this guy to do. You can make that work. Yeah, Matt Dumba, you know. There's six for the next two years. Whoopee. Yeah. I think the, I think the only contract that I would say that I that I took that is onerous, stinky, based on the player's performance would be Kuznetsov. You know, if if he gets his head screwed on straight and turns into the guy that you know was the X factor in that 2018 Cup run, then that 7.8 is edible. But he's also the oldest guy I took. Yeah, I was about to say his age. And did you take any other Russian players? Um, let's see here. Oh God, no! And it's not because I'm racist. Honest to God, it isn't. I well, I mean, I think that if Washington were to do that, that would be a factor in you retain Ilya Samsonov. You don't expose him. 
it's this whole mind game of just breaking up buddies. Well, you know, it's kind of like they did with the Kostitsans, right? <laughs> they, they just, you know, kept getting in trouble individually and then put them together and they kept getting in worse trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so and eventually one had to leave and one kind of kept together for an extra season and yeah. then. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think there's some players that need a good swift kick to the butt. You know, honestly, they do. Yeah, they do. You're right. Yeah. That's why I was laughing. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Tyler Johnson's the oldest at 30. So I got a, I got a 30 and a 29. Then uh, a few 27s. Uh, I'd take Gostaspare, 28. And the only shark that I would take would be Radim Shimmick. He's 28. But everyone else fits that mold of 23 to 26. Oh, right? come on. You don't think Francis would just select a UFA off the Sharks just to, I guess I got to do something. Well, no. If, if Shimmick's available, I'd take him. He's, yeah. he's a bottom six guy. I mean, he's a bottom pairing guy. You know? But there isn't anyone else off that Sharks team I'd take. <laughs> You know, um, I love him, but, you know, there's a lot of UFAs they've got, and there are some really stinky... Con- I mean, Alexander True, maybe, but I don't think he qualifies. Rudolph Balsers, eh, you know? Matt Nieto is UFA, I'm not taking that. Dylan Gambrell, mm, maybe. But, you know, at 28, he's on a contract for the next three years. He's a solid defenseman. You know, he's a good physical guy. So are you, are you doing this purely based on contracts or are you also looking at playing styles? A little bit of both. Okay. I, I started, I started with the, let's do the opposite of Vegas and not screw ourselves in the cap in the first two years. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so find me find me contracts that I that I reach the twenty men, you know, and guys that I can take to arbitration that aren't gonna look to to double or triple or quadruple their salary, but still would be good kind of players, you know. That whole mantra of I wanna build four second and third line lines. Right? With young mm-hmm. guys that are hungry. So, that was it. Okay, I think we've done enough of Patrick spends, you know, 45 minutes on Cap Friendly doing something that'll never happen in real life. Oh, hey, I put my almost nine-year-old up to it after school one day to figure all this out, and he still can come up with it, so. Well, it's because <sighs> no one knows who's going to be exposed, right? So, I mean, if once you have that list, then you can get closer to what you think, what will actually probably happen. And there's also no coach. So you don't know what kind of players that, you know, the coach might like. And he'll have input with Francis. And so, yeah, there's, oh. you're, you're missing some variables in there. I'm not so sure the coach will have as much input as you would think. 
that's you know, and that's what I'm. I, God, I keep I keep going back and forth on this. They haven't hired one yet. We are getting pretty close to the wire, mm-hmm. you know. And I know th- I know that department, you know, Alex Mandricki and and um, I. Uh, uh, oh God, it start. Her name starts with an N. And I Thank you, Namita. And and those people have been busting their rear ends to put mm-hmm. together, you know, projections of who might be available and who'd be good playing styles and, you know, all of those things mixed together. But the fact that there hasn't been any hint of a coach is what scares me because they could do well, all that work and then uh-huh. you know bring in somebody like Peter DeBoer, who's going to completely tank the whole thing. See, and that's that's what I was saying like a while ago. I think it, I think I'm pretty sure. Either I was thinking it or I actually said it. Um, that uh, I really thought that Francis would just want to do the expansion draft on his own, not I, have any input with a player or with a coach, not have a coach to clutter up the whole idea of it. Just have it all be him. Now. I- come out and said he's inclined to have a hire by the end of the month but i don't disagree he was just waiting to see how the world championships played out to see if gallant early was the guy let's just you know (laughs) hopefully new york beats him to the punch because i don't think gallant is the guy well we haven't even heard of like interviews right not that i've heard anything around here no uh not specifically with gallant no, but he's had multiple with New York, and that's why I bring that up. Just, uh, you know, well, Mike Vellucci. I'm just going to say it. I think he's going off the board. Someone he knows. Yeah. kind of hope so. But not necessarily someone he knows, just going off the board. Yeah, and speaking of going off the board, and I hate to do this to you because my status for next week's episode is to be determined. Um, I don't know if I'll take a suspension between now and then, but uh, George Peros, he's about to complete his fourth season as, you know, vice president of blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Director of player safety or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, just some terrible title made for LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> or not made for LinkedIn. This is hockey. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it is made for LinkedIn because it's a title that's, you know, fluffy a, and made to sound important. Got a mm. bunch of really strong adjectives in it to yeah, describe who, nothing. Yeah. So he's about to enter his fourth, uh, complete his fourth season. He's kind of been in the news lately for reasons eh, no one wants to talk about. I think his time is up. Who's his replacement? Can you name the next disciplined czar of the NHL? This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.